For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, Cart? What's up, y'all? See if we can get cart up here. How you doing, CT? Cart, what's going on? Gregory, how goes it, man? Happy Friday. Happy blessed day. I haven't heard your haven't I haven't heard your voice in like forty eight hours. It feels weird. Uh, you know, actually, I'm not going to lie. I love you, but it feels great not to have heard your voice for a little bit, but I do love you. I love you too. Uh, all right. This is the sleepers podcast. We're going to record this and put this on the podcast feed. So I guess I should do a normal intro, uh, sleepers podcast back from new Orleans edition. We had our road trip to the final four, a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of bourbon street late at night. Uh, I am well rested. I got home cart and I slept until like. 1 15 p.m wednesday afternoon i don't know about you do you feel well rested you had to go into the office wednesday morning right i did i did have to go into the office uh definitely went in a little later than usual but uh you know uh we made it happen we made it back it was worth it was worth it wouldn't trade the trip for the world uh a lot of things that i'd like to address about the trip if i don't know if we're gonna really dive into it like that but definitely things i'd like to talk about Go right ahead. All right. Well, take us into it. All right. Well, for starters, um, I learned that all coaches, basically all the hard work they do during the year, the final four is their time if they're not in it to live it up. Like them dudes do a couple media appearances during the day, maybe do some Zoom calls in the transfer portal, uh, maybe kick it, kick it with some other coaches. But besides that, they're just there to get after it straight up. And they do. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, it feels like coaches are degenerate people. And I don't know that I ever viewed it that way. Like, obviously, they work hard, but also they just have, like, millions to blow at the high major level. And they find some debaucherous ways to blow them, whether that be at a craps table until 6 in the morning Eastern time or whether that be some other way that they fancy. Uh, We saw quite a bit of uh, problematic behavior, I guess you could say, from coaches. But it was pretty entertaining to watch from the side. Oh, it definitely was. But, like, I don't know. I just – that was probably my first time, like, actually, like, really, really around coaches like that. And, I don't know, you just get a whole new whole new mindset, outlook on coaches. And, I'm, and it's not, like, necessarily all bad. Like, there was, like, coaches that just based off that I've been down there, like, I want to play for – I think are dope, you know, shit like that. You, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I wasn't with you the one night this happened, but did you not end up at a crafts table with Chris Beard for hours? I ended up at a crafts table. Actually, so Chris Beard was playing blackjack 
for most of the time. But me and his staff, a couple of guys at GA were playing craps, and the Texas staff loved the gamble. I will let that be known. They loved Harris. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me for some reason. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, do you want to tell your Mike Miller story, or are we not allowed to do that on this forum? Well, it, it got proved to be debunked. Uh, I made the mistake of thinking that basically Mike Miller was another white guy, but he wasn't Mike Miller. So, not 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 really much story to tell, to be honest on that on that front. <laughs> Yeah, I uh so there were there were two nights of our six night trip in New Orleans that uh Cart ended up in a different place than I ended up with a different bedtime than I ended up and uh both nights came back with stories and hangovers for the big fella but uh one of them he basically tells me that he was out until 5 in the morning at a bar with Mike Miller just the two of them like former Memphis staff, Mike Miller, former NBA player, Mike Miller, uh, NBA champion, Mike Miller. And uh, can you tell the, (laughs) the pills portion of this? That's the funniest part by far. Yeah. So basically um, I had like a, a, like a tin can of mints, you know, like kind of like all toys, but not all toys. And I didn't want to carry around in my pocket. Cause like every time I walked around, like you could hear the mints like jangling around in the tin container. So I like just took a couple minutes and then just had them like in the back pocket of my like of my pants just so I could like have them whenever I wanted. And I went to go buy a drink for set white man because he had bought me some drinks and brought the bought the people with us drinks like like we were just exchanging like the rounds that we bought. So I was going to buy this this round, you know, on behalf of sleepers. We didn't want to come across as a cheap media company. And Every single mint in my pocket fell out, and whoever was around me probably thought I was like awesome pills. So, but they were just mints. No, like fake Mike Miller specifically thought you were off the pills. Like, yes, he, yes. he's joking. You jo- like you're that jo- boy, jokingly, but yes. And then, long story short, it turns out this man was not Mike Miller at all. Hundred percent not Mike Miller, just a, a Caucasian male. Really, truly incredible. Like, we're, we were posted up with the Field of 68 guys the whole weekend. So, like, Doster, Jeff Goodman, uh, and then a bunch of former players and coaches who were rolling through. And Cart literally told all of them, like, yeah, it was me and Mike Miller. And then one of the, the people we were with finally was like, that was not Mike Miller, dude. So, I guess uh, you must have been in a pretty nuanced state to believe you were with Mike Miller. And it's Bourbon like, Street stinks. <laughs> it does. It is does, this your man. second takeaway? Yes, like Bourbon Street, like is not it, it stinks. It never it never closes. There's no reason for a place to be open that long, serving alcohol for that long. It's just it they it's dirty, stinks, like literally stinks, and actually stench wise stinks. Um, I'm good with the one time trip to Bourbon, saying that I've been there. Uh, probably won't be a return trip in my future. I'm good. One one hearse, one verse. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of agree with you. I uh, I never looked forward to going to Bourbon while we were there other than the very first night. I feel like you do it once. It, maybe it's like Vegas when people say like, oh, like three nights in Vegas is too many. Like two nights is enough. Uh, I don't know. One time at Bourbon was enough for me. I didn't really look forward to going back. But uh, anyways, we have Max Millington 
Max Weezy, North Carolina's own. How you doing, Max? Doing quite well today. How are you guys doing? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. My team didn't blow a 15-point lead in the national championship game. What time did Michigan State play on Monday? Uh, good point, good point, good point. Or, or on the... Or on the Saturday before, or on the okay, uh, okay, anywho, <laughs> or on the elite. Anywho, <laughs> anywho, glad you're doing well, my friend. Uh, thank you, I appreciate it. No, I, I was gonna say, I don't know if you guys have ever. I don't know. I feel like I wave the the Nashville as the best city in America flag a lot. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever ever been, but um, I've been to, I've been to Vegas. Um, I'm hopefully going back again soon. Um, haven't been to New Orleans yet, but. The way you guys describe it makes me feel pretty good about like me advocating for like Nashville being the like party city that is like doesn't get enough love. If it seems like two days in Vegas and like two days on Bourbon is is too much, then I feel pretty good about Nashville. Yeah, I want to get to Nashville at some point. I've uh, I've only heard good things from everyone in my life who has spent extended time in Nashville. So I don't hate you for that take. Uh, yeah, don't don't look forward to going to New Orleans. And the Superdome is big for no reason, like Carter Elliott. That was one of our other takeaways. Thanks. So we don't need it. Uh, all right, let's let's talk some actual games, and then we will get into some offseason stuff. For uh, I think we have some Michigan Michigan State people listening to this, which is awesome. Uh, there are plenty of rumors hounding right now. Some good. Some bad, most of the bad reside for that program in East Lansing. Uh, but first, let's start with actual game stuff from the Final Four. And I just brought Riley Davis up here, who is another Tar Heel. So we have three Tar Heels on the panel right now. Because yes, I, I don't know if you guys realize I'm a Tar Heel now. Uh, I did see that you got, what was it? Was it an MJ jersey? I never saw like the details of the jersey that... Uh... Carter, well, yeah, I never saw the details of the jersey you found and bought off someone. I only, I haven't watched the final vlog yet. Yeah, it's okay. Nobody watched the final vlog, which is fair. It was the hey, weakest of the, the vlogs. The third one uh, was excellent. But, the third one was excellent. So thank I will, you. I will say thank that. you, Riley. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's an MJ jersey. So we basically, my whole shtick, which people who follow me on Twitter know this and probably hate me for it, which is fair, is that I just jump around falling in love with new teams all the time. Like, I was an Iowa fan hardcore at the Big Ten tournament. That worked out pretty well. Uh, and then at the Final Four, I packed a Duke and a Kansas jersey because I had those. And uh, come to find out, I didn't want to be a Duke or a Kansas fan very quickly. Once we got there, I realized that was not the move. Fell in love with North Carolina fans. Like, your fan base is dope. Uh, and the team was dope. Like, you had the best guards in that tournament. What Caleb Love and RJ Davis were doing was so fun to watch. Uh, so yeah, after the Duke game, I essentially hit the streets of New Orleans for two nights saying to anyone I could find that I would pay up to $300 for their North Carolina jersey off their back. Uh, Carter and I got denied that offer quite a few times. And then finally, someone at our hotel was willing to take the offer. We Venmoed him 300 bucks, and I have a stitched Michael Jordan North Carolina jersey with a stain on it that was not my stain, by the way, now sitting in my living room. So I'm I guess not you sure say. I'm not sure like where everyone gets their jerseys from. I know like as someone who lived in Chapel Hill for a couple of years, like it's not really I mean, especially pre-NIL, like 
not really easy to find jerseys with like player names on it. Like most of the ones you can get, you know, in town or online, even are pretty much like generic jerseys. So um, I'm kind of surprised that, that people wouldn't just, you know, give you their jersey. But I mean, for $400 especially, but I mean, I guess it kind of depends on like the sentimental value or, or if, if it was like a player name or whatever. Cause if you saw me walking around with my generic number one North Carolina jersey, you could have definitely got it from me for 400 bucks. I agree completely. I actually, I live in Durham, Max. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm in Chapel Hill pretty frequently. And really, like my freshman year at Carolina was the John Henson, uh, Harrison Barnes, Kendall Marshall, Tyler Zeller team, 2011, 2012. And my freshman year, they had like the the generic jersey. They didn't have the last names on the back, but they still had all those player numbers. Like you get a 40 jersey for Harrison Barnes or a 31 story for John Henson. Um, But really since then, it seemed like they did away with it completely. And they only have like number one jerseys available in the student store. And it's funny because there was one year where they had some 43 jerseys for James, James Michael McAdoo. How about that throwback? So you like... I saw a handful of people this past weekend in UNC 43 jerseys, which like cracks me up. But yeah, I, I'm with you to where like most is is a pretty poor showing in Chapel Hill student stores where it's just the one jerseys or you might be able to find like a, a Vince Carter jersey or a Michael Jordan jersey. That's a terrible number pool, by the way. I just want to make note of that. Like 31, 40 and 43, like respect to those guys. In respect to those guys and what they did, you know, for playing for UNC, but just just based off numbers alone, like terrible number pool. That's a good point. Yeah, no one wears forty three. There's there's actually there's a lot of like generic five jerseys, which makes sense when you have like Ty Lawson, you have Marcus Page, um, now Armando, but. Yeah, that five is really like the only good generic one they had. So, per, tw- like personally, twelve is my favorite number, just like in general. Um, and like Phil Ford's jersey is like in most places as well, but it's like obviously like a like the the look of it is like not current; it's like old because um, he played in the '60s or whatever. So, yeah, that's a, that's pretty much it. It's a slim pick, it's slim pickings out here. <laughs> I wanted a leaky black jersey very bad, bro. Was, people uh, did people did not want to come up off their leaky black jerseys like that was like the untouchable one. I feel like which I went in thinking like the leaky black one might have been the easy one to get, but no, people did not want to come off the Rayshon black jerseys. Maybe Max is with me, but I would not have parted with my leaky yeah. jersey either if I had one. Uh, leaky, like he became my favorite <laughs> player on this team, and. I mean, part of that was like what he did on the court, but just also like covering the games. He was, he and Armando were really the only two like in press conferences where if you asked them a question, they were going to give you good answers. Like Leaky is just real and authentic in press conferences and talks to you like you're his friend. And Armando gets up there like wanting to entertain and give you a good quote. So they were both great. The rest of the guys kind of give generic answers. So that's part of why I loved Leaky was just, I felt like he was so real um, in like press conferences and stuff, but. And it's just, like Encore, he was the heart and soul of this team. And his name's Leaky. Yeah, true. <laughs> to, to end it all, like that's that's an all timer. That's an all timer name. Extremely true. Uh, all right, so let's let's get the Carolina fan perspective because uh, I can tell you guys from like being at that game, sort of behind the scenes. Like my seats ended up being right behind the Duke student section. Uh, I, I mean, very good seats. The Duke student section was half full. I was making a huge stink about it on Twitter. Uh, but I, I really truly believe that that 
game will never be replicated at the college level for basketball ever again. Like I, I just think you're hard pressed to ever find a game that had that sort of stakes and that sort of pressure in the building ever. And like, I, it's hard to even describe what it felt like in there, but it truly felt like, like people were gasping for air based on every single play. Like, and there was a belief from both sides they could win, but like there was an enthusiasm that was there from North Carolina fans. And I think you could see it from the players themselves too, of like, we don't have anything to lose. And Oh my God, we get a shot to slay the dragon. And then on the flip side of that Duke, you know, they're, I, I think arguably the just clearly better team. If you want to debate that now, that's obviously fair to do, but like they were the favorite. They're the more talented team as far as professional basketball players go. But they definitely came into that game both with a mix of confidence and a mix of, holy shit, what would happen if we lost this? And I expected that to take over. I think, Max, we did some rooms pregame on, uh, like, prediction stuff. And my take was the pressure is going to overcome these dudes. Like, I don't know how a bunch of young 18 to 21-year-olds are going to be able to deal with this. And there was a moment, I think Carolina got up maybe four or six early in the second half. And I remember looking to the guy sitting next to me of just like, this could get ugly because I I think Duke's going to crumble and just fail. And instead, like both sides hit big shot after big shot, 17 lead changes. I truly believe that is arguably the greatest college basketball game ever when you consider all of the stakes and all of the shot making that came into it. But then you saw when Caleb Love hits that three, I mean, the building just broke. I've never seen a more deflating moment for half of an arena before in my life. It was an honor to be there. It was a spectacle to watch. And as someone who was holding a Carolina money ticket and actively rooting for North Carolina, I enjoyed every second of it. Uh, But give me the Carolina fan take from that game. Like, was it as exhilarating as I assumed that it was? Let's go to Max first. Yeah, so I watched the game um, in Chapel Hill. Um, and you know, I, you know, I'll, you know, I'll keep it short, you know, long story short, I was able to not only, um, you know, enjoy the game, but also kind of like find a a new, discover a new brewery on Franklin street. I I didn't even know existed. Um, cause it was one of the only places that was pretty much like an open, you know, come and, you know, find a spot instead of like most of the places that we're doing reservations and stuff. But where'd you watch it, Max? Uh, Franklin Motors. Huh, it's I've a new. Yeah, it's it's a new brewery. It's almost in Carborough. It's up by the Papa John's on Franklin Street. Oh, but um, oh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I that was fun. Um, the environment was great. A lot of obviously a lot of people were excited. Um, but yeah, like watching the actual game, I think like it was one of those things where it was ha- like for me personally, like it was happening. Um, in terms of like the two teams being close and it was like a back and forth game and you're, you know, you're watching, um, you know, guys make shots and, um, you know, you're like the one, the biggest thing I was kind of looking for was like the front, the front court battle between Baycott and Williams. I thought Baycott would be able to hold his own, but, um, you know, seeing it play out the way it played out um, and, it's almost like 
you couldn't believe that North at the end of the game, like you couldn't believe that North Carolina was in a position to, you know, win the game and then eventually win. And then when they did, it was just like it was it was just unbelievable. And I and I still think back and I'm like, like how <laughs> you know because like like you said, Duke is a really talented team. You know, uh, obviously that North Carolina had beaten them already, but you know you you don't assume go, going back into that situation that that's gonna be the same result. And you know we can talk about some of the details in the, in the game, but. Um, just in terms of like answer your question about the experience watching it, I think everyone, um, me and everyone around me was like excited, but like it was just, I think a lot of people were just like honestly mind blown um, afterwards that 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 they they pulled it off, and um, you know, I, I think the team brought that confidence into the Kansas game, um, even though it didn't work out. I think you know it was it was amazing, it was incredible to see. Riley, where'd you watch the game? And I mean, what, what was your take on all of that? Yeah, uh, I actually, I kept this hidden so as not to get roasted in our group chats, Carter and Greg, but I was in Charleston last weekend. My wife and I booked a little vacation there, like back in January, thinking there was no chance UNC. I didn't want our group chat to roast me for going on vacation during the final four. But, um, so my wife and I, she's she's a pretty big Carolina fan also. Uh, and I was, like, really just wanting to watch the game by ourselves in our Airbnb so I could, like, not eat anything, not drink anything, just be anxious and, like, lock in and focus because that's what I do during big games. But she pushed me to go watch this at a, a local bar in Charleston that was allegedly the, the UNC bar, but there was not that many Carolina fans there. Um, but it, it, all, it, it all ended up working out, but – um, I can't say I like necessarily enjoyed watching the game until Caleb Love hit that shot over Mark Williams because it just felt like on edge the entire time and like so many emotions with even those last crazy three minutes where you had um, I'm trying to think who all hit a three like Brady Brady Manic hits a three off that leaky black driving kick and I want to say maybe that was Wendell Moore who answered it or Trevor Trevor Keels answered it when, when I think Wendell Moore hit that top of the key three I think that's what it was yeah yeah. And then I think someone else on Carolina hit a three. It might have been a Caleb, another Caleb Love three, and then Keels answered. Or maybe we just made free throws or something, and Keels hit a big one, and then Caleb had that one over Mark Williams. Um, but, yeah, I was just, like, paralyzed with anxiety until <laughs> Caleb hit that three to put us up four with a minute left. Um, but the feeling afterwards of just being, like, Coach K is gone forever and Hubert Davis ended him and Hubert Davis outcoached him twice in his first season, like realizing the magnitude of that. And even like for a good, I mean, really until the national championship tipped off, maybe even until halftime, I was like, I can't believe Carolina is in the national championship right now, or they're going to the national championship because this team, I mean, I just thought this team was dead multiple times this season. Uh, I, like the pit, the pit game being like the, the final example where it's like, this team is awful and I want to stop watching them. But like, I mean, the Kentucky game back in December, like I'm trying to, Oh, the wake in Miami games where they beat, they beat us by 20 and back-to-back games. Like I, I had, I mean, I, I just wanted this team to make the tournament after losing to Pittsburgh and to make the national championship and seeing like this team leave it all on the court. I mean, they'll, they'll always hold a special place in my heart for that. Well, real quick, Riley, I don't know if you feel the same way, but like I kept saying, I kept telling these Greg and Carter like the whole year, 
you know, because, you know, we go back and forth about UNT, and I was like, I, I know what I'm watching this year is much better than last year. And there were some tough times, but I think, like, once I got we got past that first game, because last year they lost, obviously, the first round um, to Wisconsin, I want to say. Um, yeah, like, at, once we got past yeah. the first game, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, this group, you know, made it, <laughs> you know, Far, further than they did last year, you can officially call it a, a successful season, um, you know, compared to last year. Obviously, not compared to, like, UNC standards or whatever. But, like, um, yeah, like, once we got over that hump, I felt, you know, it was sort of, like, validated that, validated that we belonged in the tournament. And then, you know, obviously, you don't expect it to snowball from there. But, you know, that, that I, I, I mean, you know, just being in that position at all was just, you know, a huge, I guess, sigh of relief, um, you know, for – this this new era, which is the Hubert the Hubert Davis era um, of UNC basketball, so I'm with you there. Yeah, I felt that way. Like even when we were getting blown out by <laughs> Wake and Miami, like the way that we were blowing out the bad teams in the ACC, and just even the fact that we actually had shooting this year, as like, okay, the Kimpaw metrics are better last year, but uh, this team has at least has some elements to it that are enjoyable to watch. Whereas last season, it was really just throw up a brick and hope Dayron Sharp or Armando Baycott, even Garrison Brooks sometimes, will get an offensive board and put it back <laughs> or get fouled or something. So let me ask you guys this, because as it played out, you get your big feather in the cap moment. You end Coach K's career. Uh, I assume nothing ever will top that from a rivalry standpoint ever. Like Duke is going to have – a hundred years to try and top that. And I don't know how they're going to, um, but th- then you follow that with a national championship game in which again, you're underdogs and everyone that we talked to on the streets, everyone that came by the field of 68 shows for interviews that was North Carolina ties. Like everyone said the title game is gravy. It's a title, but we got what we came for. If this happens, great. If not great. Until you're up 15 at half. How does that leave the taste in your mouth now? Like, are you able to look back on the season and say, this was great and I have no complaints? Or are you still kicking yourself for the way that second half went against Kansas? Riley, let's go to you first. There's definitely some of that because you you realize, like, how much it takes to get to a national championship, even though – I mean, we've been pretty blessed as Carolina fans really throughout my lifetime with, I don't know, I think they probably made the title game like six times in my lifetime. Um, but still, like even this run with getting past Baylor the way we did and with Caleb Love taking over down the stretch against UCLA and Duke, you see you like you need a lot of things to break your way to get to the title game. And if this year had ended with a banner being put up in the Dean Dome, like, I mean, it could it, – it just would have been like the most amazing – storyline gosh maybe like up there with the best storyline in unc basketball history so it's like it's tough when you're when you're up 15 and like i literally started thinking about seeing that 2022 banner unfold maybe maybe i didn't say anything out loud but mentally maybe i jinxed it it's it's, it's a little bit tough with that because it's like man a 15 point lead going into the second half you just just don't get outscored by 16 in this half and we're champs but at the same time, I, I think like it really does kind of come back to the fact that we were an eight seed and weren't supposed to be there and got to the final four. And I mean, you had Armando Baycott on one leg, like giving it his all. Um, 
I mean, Caleb Love fighting through a tweaked ankle and Brady Manick probably getting concussed. Not making excuses with injuries, but it's like I, I can't not be proud of this team for just the way they kept battling through all the injuries. Yeah, it was a really lovable team. Like, obviously, I joke about, oh, I had to go buy the jersey. But, like, you know, Riley, I've been a, a Brady Manic hater his entire career. I poked fun at that man. I called him the brick from French Lick. And, like, I, I fell in love with the way Brady Manic was playing this tournament. Like, what a gutsy guy. He was hitting some catch-and-shoot threes with a hand in his face I never thought he was capable of. Uh, the backcourt, just so fun. Like, Caleb Love and RJ Davis. Like, I said... I think I wrote this in one of the the betting previews I did, but like the most powerful skill set any team had in this tournament was the audacity of the Carolina backcourt. Wasn't even their like ability to make shots or their speed or anything like that. It was literally the audacity to even attempt the shots that they did. And then one of them would catch fire and it would just propel them to victory time after time. Uh, I, I loved watching it. And from the outside looking in, like, I, I mean, I really thought y'all had it. I had the Carolina money line bet placed. I had the Kansas pack ready to go. Uh, but look, I don't know. I don't I don't even know how you blame them for the way that second half played out. Kansas just sort of took over uh, and it, it felt yeah. like Carolina ran out of steam. That's all I felt too. I, I like keep telling people that. I feel like UNC didn't even choke it. it was, I didn't feel like we played particularly poorly. I mean, we missed a bunch of shots, but it just seemed like Kansas took over really on the defensive end, and I mean, they just played really good defense, and Remy Martin had some big shots. <laughs> Still had a chance to win it. We were up one with under two minutes to go, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any shame in, like, Bill Self out-coaching Hubert Davis, right? Like, Hubert Davis is obviously... A, really good coach, but Bill Self is, has been doing this for a long time. Like the coaching mismatch was um, very like apparent in, in the second half, but also, you know, uh, Baycott's pretty much like on his, on, you know, playing on one leg. Um, you got, you know, more injuries that sort of happen uh, throughout the game and, and, you know, guys go down and you, your depth's not that great to begin with. Um, you know, Kansas had, you know, a lot more stamina, um, you know, and, and they, they were the more talented team. I, I mean, the line was, was four, um, you know, for, I mean, and four is not a, a huge line, but, you know, they were favored by four, you know, UNC covered at least. Um, I, I, like, I think like, obviously it does sting because, you know, if, if UNC wins that game, it's one of the greatest, you know, forget college basketball. It's one of the greatest sports stories, um, you know, ever, at least in my lifetime. But um, I, I think that, like, in terms of the outlook of the future of the program, um, you know, how could you not, how could you not, you know, be optimistic, right? Like, after Roar retires, and even maybe the year before that, where things kind of get shaky, like, you know, you're not really sure about where this program is going as you're seeing teams sort of, um, you know, do a little bit better in recruiting and um, you're seeing things sort of change about how the dynamic of college basketball looks. But, you know, for, for this to be the result of, of the first year, um, I, I think, you know, not, not to jinx it, but I think, you know, the, the future is bright for North Carolina. So, um, you know, you hang your head on that and, and you know, build off of this year's success. 
congrats on the moral victory, fellas. You're welcome. I mean, congrats on the moral. Congrats on your moral victory of being up five on Duke in Coach K's last season. Like, hang, right. hang the oh, banner okay. for that. Okay. You know, Izzo. That's Izzo's second title. I took a little. I took a little jab. You could have just moved on and chuckled at it. All right, I was on UNC heavy. I I already feel, already went through it with Greg. That was my first true time being around like a fan base that basically isn't Michigan fans. And Riley, everything that you told me about Duke fans, you undersold it. That fan base is unbelievably like I can say. Wait, Greg, what, this is this like our actual pod? I can say it though. Who cares? Duke fans are unbelievably pussy. Like in every sense of the word, like it, it is bad that every time we touch thing with the clap and then the going nuts thing, I'm going to that is literally what hell is like in my eyes right now. It was Yo. so bad. And then like and then after they lost, like they're still walking around like all their Duke stuff. And they're like, oh, like oh, devil, Duke Blue Devils Brotherhood. Like we're still him. Like Coach K is still the greatest and all this shit. And I'm just like, bro, like you, do y'all realize what happened? If I'm a UNC fan, there's literally nothing. I know Greg said maybe in like 100 years or 50 years they can make make up for it. No, there's no making up for it. We took your legend of 50 years or some whatever how long he coached and put him out in the final four and put him out of, the, of his last game at Cameron. Like there's nothing you can say to me. That is the trump card of all trump cards. It, it's like it's over. Like I know we were talking to Shaman Williams. And he's like the rivalry's dead. And in a sense, it really is. I mean, of course, it's going to be a rivalry like Duke-UNC, but, like, it's UNC. It is. I was telling people, the Duke, Duke's, Duke are the Clippers now. Like, you wore the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, Stop it. <laughs> the Clippers, there's Stop nothing the Clippers it. will ever be able to do to, like, to match, like, the prominence of the Lakers in L.A. And, you know, that's that's how I feel. It's like Duke has, has had a lot of success, obviously. It's not like an apples-to-apples comparison, but, like, what trump card do you have, you know, for at least the next 25 years? Like, that's yeah, – it's – it's. I won't say the rivalry is dead. The rivalry is still very much alive. But, like, it's more – it's a lot more like Auburn, Alabama now. Like, <laughs> Oh, stop it. Hey, stop let, it. Me, let, me, let me speak on the every time we touch, going back to Duke fans. For one thing, uh, speaking on Duke fans, the morning of the UNC Duke Final Four game, I got a text from a fellow Carolina fan who, who lives in Nashville. Actually, I know y'all were talking about Nashville earlier. Uh, but he went to Carolina with me and said – and said, uh, I think he was at a gas station or something, and sees a guy walk up in a Zion Williamson jersey with a pair of white Oakleys upside down backwards on his head. <laughs> He's basically like, that's all you need to know about Duke fans. They got the <laughs> – Bro, and then the, the every time we touch thing, I know y'all didn't get to see it because you were at the game, but like – before the final four tipped off, they show like these montages of the teams um, kind of like have height. Bro, no, they, they, they show that in a stadium. And I'm like, is this like supposed to get like people height? Like if I'm a recruit, like, yes, it's Duke. But at the same time, like, is this supposed to like fire me up? Like, why are we listening to this? <laughs> I'm watching Wendell Moore and Trevor Keels clap over their head to every time we touch. Like, bro, this, it's the weakest, dumbest tradition. If you, if you could even call it that the weakest, dumbest hype song Maybe at all of sports. I can't you can't find anything worse than that. Yeah, I feel like weak is a word that I would use with Duke's fans, or at least Duke's students after this week. Like their student section literally, not exaggerating, half full. I've been to Final Fours that have involved Duke before. I've never seen a student section at a Final Four 
with 10 rows of empty seats in it. And this is supposedly the GOAT's biggest game of his career. Your hero, your idol against your biggest rival in the Final Four. And you can't fill seats. You can't fill even 80% of your seats. Like, I, I lost respect for that fan base. And then on top of that. And, and, and yeah, tell, talk about the UNC guy yeah, in the middle. On top of that, they, they let a North Carolina fan in a North Carolina jersey just owned them in the middle of their student section from start to finish of the game. And this man was moving around. Like this man did not have like a designated seat. He was in the back left. Then he was in the front row. Then he was in the middle. And when Duke fans were putting their arms in the air, every time a Duke player was the free throw line, he was jumping around like fucking crazy swinging his arms. He was talking that shit. Like, and they just sat idly by and let this happen. Like I cannot imagine uh, to Nate's question, like is Michigan, Michigan state a better rivalry? In basketball, no, but, like, I can't imagine a Final Four between those two teams and a Michigan fan and a Michigan jerseys in the Michigan State student section? No fucking way. You're getting swung on if that happens. So I I left that being like, damn, Duke fans, very soft, very weak, not many of you. I, like, I don't know what to think of them anymore. I mean, they don't know ball. I can confirm that. I've been around enough Duke fans. I've – I've sat in front of the Cameron Crazies on press row this year and listened to their commentary. They don't know ball. I've had friends that have graduated from Carolina, did grad school at Duke, who tell me that the undergraduate library is full during Duke basketball games. It's 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 a not a they don't know ball. They don't ultimately care that much. They're a bunch of nerds and they get hyped to Cascada. What else needs to be said? I will say though. Uh, from the Greg Waddell rivalry school of commandments here. Uh, the move for North Carolina fans here is not to downplay the rivalry. The move is to still be adamant that this is the greatest rivalry in sports, just that y'all own it. Like y'all are on top of the mountain. Don't downplay the rivalry now. Don't say, oh, this ain't even a rivalry. No, this is the greatest rivalry in sports. We just fucking on y'all heads. That's what I would do if I'm a Carolina fan. And I am a Carolina fan, so I'll help you with that agenda, uh, at least until next season starts. I like I like that mindset, man. I think I'm definitely going to be adopting that. Uh, I'm tired of these Duke fans on Twitter still saying, y'all's, y'all's, y'all's championship was us. We, we You care more about being Duke than you do a natty. Like, get out of here. That's I, I just mute those folks, man. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, but anyways, all right. Well, thank you both, Max and Riley. Feel free to stay up here if you'd like. Appreciate the North Carolina fan perspective. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left in the show, uh, and we are going to get into Kansas fans are old as shit. Okay. Thank you, Carter. By the way, we talked – we spent like a good 20 minutes on the car ride home talking about how we needed to police our language a little better to allow us better opportunities in this media world. We did. We did. I'm sorry. I, I forgot all about that. God. I mean, it just come on. It's off season time. Like, do we really need like an all caps Duke fans are pussy in the middle of this episode? Really? But it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, you're right. That's all, right. all me. We'll move on. Uh all right, let's let's do some off season stuff. Let's start with the the Michigan, Michigan State focus. Uh Carl, let's start with your team. There's serious questions and concern behind the scenes that Max Christie is officially a goner. Uh, I have heard that he is just awaiting a draft grade and that if he gets a first round grade, he is going to the draft. He is hiring an agent. If he does not get a first round grade, I have heard that he is highly likely to transfer. 
and that his days in East Lansing are done. Nothing is confirmed, but there's a lot of smoke and there's enough smoke from people who matter that I feel confident in saying there's fire here. Uh, and I'll go out on a limb and say, like, if I had to put percentages on it, Cart, I would call it 90% he's not in a Michigan State uniform next season. I'm going to mute myself now. I'm going to turn the mic to you, and I'd like you to give your official statement on where you stand with Max Christie. Uh, yes, thank you, Gregory, for giving me the floor and giving me, giving me this opportunity to be here in general. It's always a great time. Uh, I got a couple things to say on this. One, uh, Max Christie's not getting a first-round grade. Nothing about this year uh, can give him a first-round grade. Uh, I, I mean, even in a case where you take a kid or you take a chance on a kid because of potential, um, you got to at least show some flashes or be – or have some moments that you can lean on or a game that you can lean on where NBA scouts and GMs can be like, okay, this is, this is what this version, this is what the best version of this kid could be. We did not get that once this year. And if we did get it this year, it was against a Butler or an Eastern Michigan or something like that. Nothing of uh, nothing out of like a power five conference that just really, you just, you can stick your head out and say, yes, that's the game for Max Christie. Um, Second of all, uh, as critical as I have been of Izzo and the treatment of his players, if Christie is to leave, it's a thousand percent not Izzo's fault, like in any way. Uh, and it really, honestly, Max Christie's leaving. Like this man was given every opportunity in the world. What more could you want as a freshman? You play 30 minutes a game. You can shoot whenever you want. And from what I've heard and from what you told me, Gregory, and things that I've seen, basically Izzo told him that he wasn't good this year, which, I mean, can we get some self-awareness? Like, you weren't good this year. You can be good. I know a lot of people were looking forward to him making improvements in his game where he could be a better player. But that man, like, let's call it like it is. Do it how we do it as sleepers. That man stunk this year. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, whatever you want to call it. As a college basketball player, that man stunk this year. He could be good, but he stunk. And the fact of the matter is this man is leaving after playing 30 minutes a game for a Big Ten team that made the tourney that at one point of this year was a top team in the Big Ten, like had a clear path to win the Big Ten. And he got to play through mistakes. He got to play through everything. And there's not wait, a lot wait, of players. Wait, wait. Clear, clear path to win the Big Ten. I'm saying at some point, at, at a point, at a point in the year when we were at the top, yes, there, there was, was a, a clear, clear path, path yeah, for this Michigan State team to win the Big Ten. Not a, okay, Greg. God, you're really gonna get hung up on clear path. I mean, what what are we doing here? Can I can can I can I cook? Can I? Yes, cook? you can cook. Please, thank you, Jesus Christ. <sighs> you you're throwing me off my pivot. All right, and yes, it was a clear path early. Like, I'm not saying like late. And there was it, never it was a, clear a clear path. path there was point. never a clear path. It, it 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 was a it was a clearer path than most. There, take that. God damn, bro, you're not gonna get hung up on. Back clear to path Max like Christie. That, Back to Max Christie. Anyway, the fact of the matter is that he was given every opportunity to play through mistakes, and still play many minutes on this basketball team, which is not the case for all state players. Like there's uh, there's leashes on this team that are shorter than you could ever ever imagine there's toothpick leashes on this team 
And he had one of the longest, maybe the longest on this team. And I, I just don't understand what he could possibly be upset about. The only thing that I could think is that, I, you know, we made jokes about this, Greg, that like Christie doesn't have like any edge to him. He's coddled. And I really think that's what it is. Like he probably went home to mommy and daddy and they were like, he's not using you right. Like he upset you. How dare he upset my, my baby? Like we don't have to deal with that. We can leave. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it just, at this point, I don't want him back. Like the, he, the, the bridge is burned. He can go like, go ahead and go ahead and try to find greener pastures. I would be, I would love to see him go to another, like, I don't know, back home in Illinois or something like that and see how he feels and see how he does. But good Lord. Yeah, I've, you're right. We've made a lot of jokes, uh, but the thing is they haven't been jokes. Like, there are style of like framing truth as jokes, but like when we say that Max Christie hoops like he cuts the crust off his peanut butter jellies, like <laughs> we're kind of not kidding. Like this man has zero edge. Uh, he he has been coddled by his family, by the coaching staff at Michigan State. Like he was coddled through a season of playing like he's Chase Audige with curly hair. And still being given a green light every step of the way and made out to be this offensive star and this Big Ten freshman of the year over and over and over and over and over again when he would go for seven points one night, followed by 11 points the next night on like 30% shooting, and he's still bringing in hardware. Like, I've never understood it. I don't see what's there. I've seen this man miss a lot of open shots. Like, we, we always made the Houston Christie comparison, and Houston missed a ton of open shots, but... Max Christie did too. Like they essentially shot the same percentage, except Christie was worse from three. Uh, yeah, well, actually, actually, there's a there's a difference because Houston missed open ones. Christie missed a lot of tough ones and open ones. But Christie, I would say that Houston he missed. missed Houston ones. missed he, every look that Houston had was open this year. Not every everyone. single one. Well, of course not. Of course not everyone, but a majority of his looks were very, very open. No, I mean Houston. Houston took on a role of I'm going to shoot five and a half shots a game that are catch and shoot, and he's going to elevate over people, and half of those are going to be contested, half of them are going to be open. But you're right, he airballed a lot of open shots. Max Christie missed a fuck ton of open shots, and also proved that he could put the ball on the floor and dribble into worse shots and miss those, like. There's nothing that Max Christie showed that translates to the NBA level at all. He just showed that he can literally pass up open shots for worse shots and miss those shots. And I, look, I saw it in person. We went to a ton of state games this year. I never felt like Max Christie was a plus player. I, I think he was passable defensively some games, but I, it felt like Michigan State was trying to win games built around one of the most inefficient players in college basketball playing 32 minutes a game on the wing and good luck with that. And the entire promise of Max Christie being a good college player is entirely that it's promise. It's it's, he passes the eye test. It's you look at him in warmups and you see a six foot the, six. The, the thing guard. for me is like, does he, I mean, he passes the eye test just like looking at because he's tall. Otherwise, like he doesn't pass the eye test. I think he's like, he, I think he's soft as all hell. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't even know. If I would say he passes the eye test. He passes the height test. If that's, I mean, I right. guess that's part of the eye test, but that's about it. No, he's got long, right. he's got long arms and height. 
nothing about him this year ever like just gave me any time. Honestly, the one game I got promised from was the game at at state against me at, at the Breslin against Michigan, where he had a pretty good game and he talked a little bit of shit. That's the one game. And maybe for like a two second, two minute stretch in the second half of the Duke game, and that's it. Uh, you know that you and I are quick to call out front runners, Cart. Can we note the time and score of when he was talking that shit? Well, you well, I mean, he was. So the only the only time. No, 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 It's not front running. He didn't start talking the shit. Your maple syrup bum of a freshman started talking shit and he responded. So wait, 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 wait. No, but that. So so tell me this then. You would you rather have the guy? who doesn't give a fuck he's gonna talk that shit even when he's down on the road because he is that type of dog and he's, he's gonna not. talk that shit or would you or would you rather have the guy who's won five second stretch of the season where he showed any sense of edge was when he was up 12 with 30 seconds left in a home i don't want the man that That's i don't I, I just don't want the dude who can't grab a rebound over kennedy chandler i'm good on well that. i don't want i don't him. want brandon kearney with a bunk bed well we so. don't want either of them so there we go well, unfortunately, one side of us is going to get a player back, and he's probably right, going to have good. an all-conference type season. <laughs> all right, this is recorded, right? Damn, Skippy. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. We, we're gonna make, we can make any type of bet in the world about Caleb Houston being an all-conference player not happening. I'll, I'll take that bet. Third, third not, team all-conference next Not year. happening. Third team all-conference next year. <laughs> okay, what do you want to bet? Brad Davison like, made one? a third team all-conference this year. He's going to be good. Okay. Okay, Brad Davis. What did Brad Davison average? Didn't Brad Davison damn near average like 15 this year? I don't think so, but maybe. I'm pretty uh, sure he did. I'll check that. But anyway, I will. So can, can I, I will bet anything. Side? Can we flip to the yeah, other side? Yeah, here we go. Go ahead. Go ahead and wax your poetic about how you're getting players back that are from the, this year's team. And that's are gonna, not what I'm waxing poetic. Go about. ahead and go better. Uh, go ahead. What's what's going to allow Caleb Houston to look better next season is the fact that he's not going to be the best wing on Michigan next season like he was this season, Cart. You know who will be the best wing on Michigan next season? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a guess from Mr. Elliott. We've broken this man. All right, fine. It's Terrence Shannon, Cart, the best player in the transfer portal, I believe, <laughs> is going to end up a Michigan Wolverine. You don't think it's going to be a, a, a Illinois fighting Illini? I don't believe. I believe that the only thing holding really? up Terrence Shannon to Michigan at this point is Michigan's admissions department. That's what I believe. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I, I, You know, I mean, you're more like into the message boards than me. Uh, so I take your word for it on that. But the things I was seeing on Twitter was that he was trying to reunite with Anderson. I think it's Tim Anderson because he was the coach at DePaul. And I think that's who Shannon was committed to before he went to IMG and went to Texas Tech. But uh, I mean, you know, well, if you listen, him. if you listen to Illinois fans, they're also getting Courtney Ramey and Adam Miller and Terrence yeah, well, Shannon. They, they, and this Cole one didn't Cole. come from an Illinois fan, though, so I actually kind of did believe it. But besides that, you know. Okay. Yeah. I look. I I don't know that for sure, but there's again, there's a lot of smoke. Not as much smoke that Max Christie is leaving, but there's a lot of smoke uh, from people that do matter that Terrence Shannon wants to come to Michigan. We will see. But all I'm saying, Card, is if Terrence Shannon does come to Michigan and Caleb Houston is also on the wing, that helps Caleb Houston quite a bit next season, my friends.
And, I mean, you said it yourself, Carl. Hunter Dickinson may be back. Riley, do you have some thoughts? I was just going to say I, I know Ant Wright was tweeting some about Terrence Shannon to Michigan, and I know Andrew Slater had that tweet. Um, but as of yesterday, there was a new <laughs> Terrence Shannon to UNC rumor that surfaced on some Carolina message boards where uh, uh, a program insider said he's interested in UNC and UNC is interested in him just trying to figure out its roster with who comes back out of Caleb Love, Baycott, and Leakey, and scholarships and everything. I'm, I'm very happy I'm not a part of message board culture. You got to, like, limit yourself on it. You can't get too lost in it because it's, it's easy to just, especially when your team's doing poorly, to just doom scroll for hours and lose track of time. It, it takes moderation uh, like most things in life. It, it it it's just not for me personally. Only because, only because I'm out of control and we <laughs> that, know that. Like, yeah, Kurt's – Kurt's would, not a big would, moderation guy. I would have I would be on every every Big Ten teams power on every Big Ten teams message board until I ruin my rep in every single one with bullshit. Where did uh when did the Michigan like Terrence Shannon rumors start? Or is there any like what's the connection there? Isn't it Juwan in Chicago or or am I or is that not it? Yeah, I believe Juwan has a past history with either Shannon's camp or previous, I don't know, AAU shit. But, um, yeah, I know last year when he was in the portal, like I'm pretty sure there was a discussion, and then he quickly went back to Texas Tech. Uh, But this year, like, from a roster standpoint, like there's 35 minutes available at the two in Ann Arbor next to a pretty damn good team that is missing a shot creator. So do you think I don't know? Yeah, Shannon, I don't, wait, Terrence hold on a second. Are really we calling Terrence Shannon a shot creator? Shannon, a shot creator? He's, he's he's not. He is not. I think, a shot he, I think he is. Well, okay. Let me say this. No. Just, let me let me say this, you guys. That was what like because the oh yeah. I'll let you, you go ahead, Greg. No, I'm, I'll say this. He's a shot creator relative to the rest of Michigan's roster, both last season and next season. He's a shot creator compared to Eli Brooks. That's a fair He's point. a shot creator compared to Devontae Jones. He's not an R.J. Davis, Caleb Love mm, shot creator. I, I, think, I think both Eli and Devontae Jones are better shot creators than Tanner Shannon yeah, from I, what I've seen at Texas I'll, Tech. He, he, he's not a shot creator. I'm going to send you some tape then, Cart, because the tape says much different. Okay. That was kind of like my thought because I'd be curious to know what y'all even thought of Terrence Shannon in general because – I feel like I watched a decent amount of Texas Tech this year, and there was – I mean, I was really impressed by their defense like most people were, but there wasn't really any moment where I was like, oh, Terrence Shannon is making the leap from what we thought he could be as a freshman and a sophomore. I, I just think I, – I've been, like, waiting for him to take the leap. of Like, I think that the next school he goes to, his next leap would basically be to establish himself as a 3 and D wing. Like – being able to catch and shoot it, and then he's also extremely good athletically, and he can like slash to the rim, and he's extremely athletic. I don't, I just don't see him as a, you know, catch the ball on the wing guy in front of him, go make a play, go score. Yeah, I'm, I'm opposite side of you guys on this, but I've also been a big Terrence Shannon stand since his first debut at Texas Tech. But look, look he's well, not. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Terrence Shannon stand too, Greg. I just don't see the shot creator part. I, I really like Terrence Shannon. Like I would take I him. Mean, like, on Michigan State in a heartbeat. I mean, he's super athletic. He's unbelievable on defense. His three is streaky. I think it can be better, but he's just like shot creator is just not what he is to me. Like if he's putting the ball on the floor to like get into a jump shot or make a move, it's not. It doesn't look good. Now I think he can do like a one to two dribble and get to the basket and use his athleticism. But, but just like straight shot, shot creation. 
No, I'm, I'm thinking more like you pass it to him on the wing and there's a guy right there and you're like, Terrence, go get me a bucket. I don't think he can do that. He can do that. It's, I mean, more mm. often than not, it's let me go right through it, dude, and finish at the rim. But he also has a little bit of step back stuff. He has some shoot over stuff. I mean, look, Texas Tech played one guy over 25 minutes a game last season. They played Tom Izzo like rotations. If we want to talk about why didn't he break out, he played less minutes than he did his first season, I'm pretty sure. Like, he uh, shot- also, also, didn't the metrics, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, there was Texas Tech fans out there that were telling me this team was better with Terrence Shannon off the floor. Like, the metrics, like, lined up with it, too. That I mean, he, he, shot- he, made, he made the team worse. He shot 38% from three on three and a half attempts a game, playing 25 minutes. Like, I don't know. I'm, look. I, could I be wrong? Yeah. Could I just be blinded by the hope that he ends up on Michigan and I think he's a way better player than Eli Brooks? Yeah. But I'm holding out hope. Like, if Kyler Edwards can go to Houston and do what he did this year, I think Terrence Shannon could do the same. I also think with, like, the is Devontae Jones expected back at Michigan? No, he's What's done. That? He's officially done. Okay. Gotcha. Who's going to – is Buffkin expected to run the point then, I'm guessing? Frankie Collins is going to run point. Ah, uh, gotcha. What are your thoughts on Frankie Collins? I mean, I, I think Frankie's going to be good. I don't know how good he'll be next year, but he's a total non-shooter. Um, and it so much of this depends on who else is on the roster with these guys. But, like, if you're looking at a Hunter Dickinson back at center, which seems like it's likely, Caleb Houston back on the wing, which seems like it's likely, uh, you've probably got Terrence Williams, the pit bull type, 3 and D dude. And then you've got a non-shooter at point guard and either Frankie Collins or freshman Doug McDaniel. Like you need someone who is ready to take a ton of shots, whether they all go in. I don't really give a damn. You need someone that can shoot five, six threes a game, make 35% or better and just be a threat that opens up shit for everybody else. I think Terrence Shannon is that way more than anybody else. Honestly, either on Michigan's roster the last three seasons or like who else in the portal would be a better option? Yeah, I don't know. I was just gonna take a quick look at like the like Borzello's tweet and see like who's at least top ten. But you can keep talking. Look, but I feel other, like there's a better option for a guy to get a bucket. Like the other dude that Michigan was in on was Sam Sesums from Penn State. Like yes, give me Terrence Shannon. <laughs> Sam Sesums. That sounds like a Sean Paul special makeup or random. Yeah, I, and hope yeah. no one calls me on that. I have no idea. Who I, Sam I'm, de- I'm definitely is. taking Shannon over Sesums. But like, there's some there's. Hold on a second, Greg. Give me like three minutes. Sam Sessoms is Devontae Jones with like half of Devontae Jones' skill set. Like you don't want you like I mean I know there's rumors of him like it's him to Purdue is set in stone, but like you don't want Nigel Pack. I mean I I personally would rather have Terrence Shannon than Nigel Pack, but I think they're wow. similar. I think they're similar imp- impact uh. guys. I think they're similar impact guys. Shannon makes more sense with Michigan's roster. You just said you wanted a bucket. Shannon makes like, more sense with Michigan's roster, and he is a bucket. You don't think – I think, like, Nigel Pack would make more sense if, so do, if you got a non-shooter. So do, so do I. Like, I would guess – I feel like – because Shannon, what, I mean, what, he shot – Sorry, third. Riley. Wasn't Nigel Pack first team all Big 12? Did he make the first team? I know he made a team, but I don't know. Uh, he might have been, man, but he's he is like he would fit perfect with Michigan. What you need? Also, I ju- more than Terrence Shannon. I least. just looked up Sam Sessoms. I don't follow Big Ten basketball that closely, but I'm I'm sorry that I, I dissed my guy who averaged 11 points per game for the Nittany Lions last year. 
He still doesn't sound <laughs> that special. <laughs> Look, Nigel Pack's really good. And he's, I mean, Nigel Pack's a perfect fit for Purdue because every year Purdue has one guard who takes 15 shots a game, and he'll step in and do that. Like, if Nigel Pack's at Michigan, he has to run the point for 35 minutes as a six foot 170 pound guard and take a fuck ton of shots. Like, it, would that be good? Maybe fine. Like he, he's a good player, no doubt. But like, I like what Michigan has at four positions. I like Hunter Dickinson being the high usage guy. I like Caleb Houston around him as a shooter. I like Frankie Collins as a pass first guy. And I want someone who passes the eye test as a potential NBA type body dude. And Terrence Shannon's that, and he can shoot. Like, I really think if you put Terrence Shannon in a 30-minute role and tell him go get five, six threes up a game, he's going to be a prolific scorer in the big time. I really think he could be. That's a fair assessment. I guess my thing with Shannon where I was a little um, – like, for example, when I first saw his name being floated to Carolina, I was thinking if he's supposed to come in and be – like play the two-guard and be a Caleb Love replacement, I'm not crazy about that just because of Love's shot creation. Uh, with Ter- And Terrence Shannon, I think he shot 38% this past year but only made 33 threes. But, I mean, you could be right that it's just because he only played like 25 minutes a game. And if he's in a bigger role and given more – freedom maybe he gets more shots up and connects on him but i'll say this like eli brooks started at the two played 35 minutes a game for michigan this year got up five threes a game made 40 percent terrence shannon had a higher three-point attempt rate than eli brooks did he just played 25 minutes a game and he made him at 38 percent like and then i'm telling you like i i love kobe buffkin cart you love kobe buffkin kobe might not be a rotation player next year there's 40 minutes available on Michigan's wings right now for whoever wants them from the portal. Free Isaiah Bond. Shit, maybe maybe that's Max Christie, Cart. Please take him. Have him, bro. Like, really have him. Can we, do, can we do a Brandon Johns-Max Christie I don't swap? Even, I, don't even, I don't even care if Max Christie, like, goes dumb at his next school. Like, he can do that. Like, and that is what it is. Like, that – it's he he already burnt the bridge go do whatever you want to do my boy enjoy your uncrustable nil deal so tomorrow if max christie announces he's returning to michigan state you're entirely flipping that stance right no i'm not he's not no he'll be matt he'll be he'll be uh he'll be max so definitive answer is max christie will never be a dog no max he, he could do whatever he wants. Max Christie will net like I'm not I'm not pulling for Max Christie for the rest of his basketball career. I'm good. He's that hit it. He showed his true colors in the moment. So I'm good on him. Wow. I'm glad we recorded this. I feel like that's going to be too. Me too. Nah, who can't bro. Greg, you know, you know how I sticked up for this dude throughout the year. Like I, I, the whole year. Through thick and thin. Yeah, he had you looking goofy, honestly. He had you looking real goofy at times. Exactly. Like, um, I'm good. Someone else someone else can take the reins. Uh, can I get your definitive stance card before we wrap on why every Michigan State fan on earth seems ready to run Joey Hauser out of the program? I I have I have no clue. I really have no clue. Like I I want Joey to come back. But I just don't think Joey is coming back. Did he not just win y'all a tournament game? He did. 
I'm confused. a thousand percent did. I'm I'm very confused. All that I hear is uh, like we we <laughs> hope Joey doesn't come it, back. It, we hope it's Malik. Is this, Hall. Is, this is this is this some is this some stuff that you that you're kind of I I don't think I think that state fans correlate Joey coming back to less Malik, and we want more Malik. So that means that if we cut out basically if we cut out Joey. We get more Malik, and the two aren't synonymous. Like we could cut out Joey this year, and we could still be in a situation where Malik Hall is playing 22 minutes a game next year. Like that has nothing That's to do saying. with Joey. Like we'll take Joey back. That's what I'm saying. Like, can we can we not learn from last off season as Michigan State fans? Like I was told that leaving two scholarships open was a good thing because that meant that Max Christie and Gabe Brown were going to blossom. That didn't happen. Those guys struggled. This team struggled. Having an extra body that was a proven player from the portal would have helped immensely with that. And now you, you're sitting on a guy, Cart, who not only just won you the Davidson game, but you're sitting on a guy who shot 46% from three in the Big Ten. Do you know how hard it is to find a guy with four years of experience that has done that? It, and the program but, but, wants to run a dude out for a guy who played 20 minutes a game and was horrible the last three weeks of the season? This, bro, we're not worried about Joey, man. Like, we got way bigger, like, I don't even call it issues. Like, I'm not I'm not thinking about Joey Hauser. But why Why is everyone so confident Malik Hall playing 35 minutes a game is going to be great? Was he not horrible down the stretch? He was, but that was for non-basketball reasons. Whatever the reason, man, like that's I just don't get why eliminating Joey Hauser would make anyone feel better about that. Like if Malik Hall's going to take a jump, he can do that. He can. And he, has he can. Done. He can do it with Joey Hauser. He can do he can do it with Joey Hauser on the team. That's what I'm saying. And he still hasn't done that, in my opinion. So I don't know, man. I, I just don't get it. I feel like there's a lot of misguided. Like right now, Izzo's reached out to one guy in the portal, right? Jalen Bridges, you got a 33% shot at him. Got an official visit coming, we hope. Other high major programs involved. Likely three scholarships open. What else is going to happen? Are we just leaving those open if we don't get Jalen Bridges? Joey Hauser's going to leave, and we need 30 minutes from Malik Hall, 30 minutes from Pierre Brooks? Yeah, I don't get it. But also, like, the the Big Ten – or not – sorry, not the Big Ten. My apologies. The portal as a, as a, as a whole – for like big men right now, I I don't like I, I don't know who the one guy is. Like I feel like the Fardaws guy is the one that everybody wants. Uh Jahani Broom from Moorhead State is another one. But I think there's no you know, Michigan State has no shots at those guys. So I'm not really sure where we're leaning. Um, you know, Greg, maybe Izzo's taking your advice and he's not jumping the gun this year and he's looking at who comes comes out of the portal but um my guy who i really want and i told you this when he got in the portal i really want manny bates from nc state uh and i haven't seen anything about us being on him but we should have called him the minute he entered or the minute we even got an ickling that he would enter i think that's we got to get a center no matter what if we do not get a center we are screwed like screwed screwed badly we are gonna it's gonna be scary seasons in East Lansing, if we don't make that happen. So, I mean, <laughs> the only the only thing I've seen lately is my coach saying the transfer portal is ruining the game and 
that doesn't bode well for a team that needs to go into the transfer portal to add some pieces. Yeah, I mean, in his defense, it was probably hard for him to give any comments in between uh, photo ops at Western Michigan. Yeah, for, yeah, forgive him for going to watch his friend get a head coaching job after knowing him his whole life. What a what a crappy human being. I mean, nothing nothing more important. Than no, you're right. You're right. I can't. I can't. I, I don't know why he would be there. I don't I have no clue why the whole staff would be there for a guy who's been on the staff for 19 years and wouldn't be in the portal at that time. That's disgusting behavior, Gregory. You are so right. Eric Musselman's wife said it. Like, if you were married to me, you wouldn't be in the portal at 5 a.m. Like, if I were Michigan State's head coach, I personally wouldn't go do a photo op with my entire staff in Kalamazoo for six hours, followed by attending courtside seats at the Detroit Pistons game when I haven't reached yeah. out to any player in the portal. I personally right. agree that that is a that's I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you. I don't know why why they would I don't know why any coach would be doing anything but be in the portal twenty four seven. Well, that seems like a, a gentle note to end on, Carter. Do you have any final words for the people? Nope. I'm mad I was doing this. I could have been doing something else to improve sleepers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I feel like we're at our best, though, when you're grumpy and I'm laughing at your expense. Is that fair, or am I just being a dick now? No, 100%. Can't no, tell. 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see where next season goes. Uh, we did do a bunch of vlogs on our Final Four trip that are on our YouTube channel. Please go check those out because we're trying to uh, – position ourselves to be able to do some road trip vlogging next season it was a lot of fun i think it's some of the best content we've done so go watch those they're like 15 minutes a pop four episodes of those on the channel uh we'll put this episode on streaming so you can listen to us on apple and spotify and uh we will have some off-season content coming soon i'm going to try to do green rooms tuesday wednesday thursday probably morning or lunchtime ish And then uh, we will have something new video-wise every Monday, Friday from Carter and I breaking down whatever the latest is in college basketball. So thank you for listening. Appreciate everybody rolling through. Appreciate Riley and Max for coming up. And uh, we will probably see you guys next week. Peace, Cart. Peace out. Hope I can be there and I'm not in the portal.